chapter 3 tonight. We'll get in the Word. Pray about these in a little while. My eyes are bothering me tonight. I'm, I can't see y'all with glasses. I can't see print without them. I see better when the lights are bright, but the, they're hurting my eyes tonight. So I'm just, I'm just up here to complain tonight, I reckon. <clears throat> All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We've been going through this, uh, uh, this letter, and uh, we're going to move to chapter 3 tonight. And uh, the title of the message tonight is simply, Don't Quit. All right, just don't, don't quit. Stick with it. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get in here. Let's read the chapter together, and uh, we'll break it down throughout this message. Uh, Paul says, uh, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good things, good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Darren, would you pray for us? Amen. One of the most difficult things for a pastor or a minister is to see people in his church go through difficult times. And uh, all of us are going to go through difficult times. Uh, when it's, when it's a, the loss of a loved one, uh, you do the best you can to try to comfort. And sometimes words are not enough. It's just being there is all you can do. Uh, but you, you want to help. You want to ease the hurt in some way. Uh, when, it's, uh, when it's their home life and things are struggling there, you, you counsel with, a, with God's word, you pray, you pray for each individual, you pray that they commit to one another and to God and see things work out. And, 
Sometimes it's the kids and sometimes the, the kids rebel or they do something unimaginable and you, you just make every effort to stick close by their side. You, uh, again, you pray with them. You try to talk with the children and, and uh, the desire of your heart is to uh, that everyone just uh, get the help that they can and draw near to God. But I've learned in coming up on 28 years of ministry that the best thing that helps a Christian deal with suffering is not what I or another church family member says or what we can do that makes the greatest difference. The greatest difference is your own individual faith. And if your faith is strong, you'll make it through it. But if your, if your faith is weak and it's it's tempted and it's tossed to and fro. Uh, you just don't know how, you just don't know what the outcome will be. You don't know if someone is going to be able to overcome it and make it through. Our faith has a great deal to do with how we get through things in this life. In this chapter, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we see into the heart of a preacher who was deeply concerned for those whom he had led to Christ and they were individuals who were now facing grievous afflictions as a result of their new faith. And his concern was they might just up and quit at any moment. And he wanted to do something more, uh, more than just pray for them. You know, we'll, we'll often say, I'm praying for you. Well, most of the time we want to do something more than that. And, and the truth is that sometimes people leave. Sometimes people quit. And it's not because they're not saved. It's just because their faith has, wasn't very strong. And uh, they, they never made that a priority to grow and to grow and to grow. Listen, uh, Brent Barlock, what, I, what I'm going to say tonight may not be where you're at today. But it can increase your faith for when you get there. You can face those challenges. And we're going to go through difficult times. All of us are. We're going to get that phone call. We're going to, we're going to sit in front of the doctor. where Something is going to happen. And it's going to challenge our faith in that moment. And that is what's taking place in this new church of Thessalonica. And so Paul is concerned. And he wants to do something about it. He, he desperately wants to see them strengthened in the Lord. In Acts chapter 17, Dr. Luke, he, he described for us the events that unfolded around the establishment of the Thessalonian church. I'm not going to take the time to go back and read that. We, I just preached on that a couple of Sunday nights ago. And, and uh, you'll find that at the beginning of chapter 17. And, and uh, for three weeks, Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures that Christ must needs have suffered and that he rose again. And uh, that, that is the way of salvation. As a result, many souls were saved and a church had quickly formed. But there arose a persecution in town that led Paul and his ministerial team to quickly be sent away by the brethren. And it was known in Thessalonica that uh, the preacher stayed in the house of Jason. And, and uh, when, the, when the angry mob came to Jason's house, they couldn't find the preachers. 
And so they just drug Jason and some of the other believers uh, out of his home. And uh, the angry mob accused and, and uh, brought him before the local magistrates where they were interrogated. And the same thing happened in Berea. Paul left Thessalonica. He went to the Bereans and he preached there and many people were saved and uh, came to Christ. Uh, but those who created the uproar in Thessalonica, they followed the preachers there. And once again, Paul was sent away to Athens. If it was today, they follow you on Facebook just to cause up a stir. Amen? They just, they don't want to, they don't want to be happy with anything. They just want to stir up trouble. All right? So, um, he was, Paul was there in Athens. He, he left Berea. He went to Athens and he was there, according to Acts 17, verse 14, he was there by himself uh, for a time. And he sent word back to Silas and Timothy to uh, join him in Athens. And uh, so they began to make that journey in Acts 17, in verse 15. But after some time, the apostle, um, the, the apostle is concerned. And he mentions this concern in chapter 3, verse number 1. And he says, he says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear. And I, I think the wording of verse 1 is important because it says we could no longer forbear. We could no longer stand it. It wasn't just Paul who was concerned for the new believers. Amen? It was the others. Other believers were concerned about them. Timothy and Silas and Luke, they were, and anyone else who was with them were concerned about these believers. And so he continues writing in verse 1. He says, We thought it good, which indicates the group came up with a plan, which we see in verse number 2, was to send Timothy back to Thessalonica. And so I think it's important that the pastor is not the only one concerned for everybody's spiritual walk. Right? We all ought to be concerned for one another. We ought to care for one another. And if I'm the only one making phone calls or text messages, uh, people's faith is not going to be strengthened and people are not going to be encouraged, right? And so it is important. I'm going to encourage you in this room right now, and I realize other people in our church is scattered throughout the campus, but I want to encourage you tonight, keep your eyes and your ears open. And when you see somebody in a need, reach out to them and try to encourage them. Amen? Everybody is a part of the ministry. Everybody has a responsibility to minister to others. And so their concern was, how are these believers doing? We're separated from them. We can't see them. They're, they're, we're worried that they're struggling. We know that they have been through some things. And so they decide, what we're going to do is we're going to send Timothy back to check on them. Because they didn't have phones. They didn't have emails uh, all they had was uh, just, they had to walk with their own two feet to get there, right? And so, as we proceed, Paul's concern was stated more in depth. If you look in verse 3, he says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Not only did Paul have some afflictions, but we'll see in a little bit, so did the church. It, it says in, in chapter 1, in verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. 
And I just mentioned to you what was taking place in town. Even though Paul and them were gone, the, the brethren were still facing uh, the repercussions of the, of, the, uh, of the mob. And so Paul is concerned about the afflictions, the suffering that the church is dealing with. Then look in verse number 5. He says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, speaking personally, he says, I can't stand it anymore. I, I, I have to know. He says, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. He says, I, I, I had to know where your faith is. Is your faith strong as it is in the Lord because I'm concerned that the tempter is coming along, he's going to discourage you and you will simply quit and everything that I did and put in my life on the line was just in vain, okay? So he's got a great concern. In his letter to the Galatians, turn to Galatians chapter 4, please. Hold your place in Thessalonians. In, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul mentions similar thoughts to the believers who were dealing with those who were introducing a false gospel, a gospel of, of works mixed with grace. It was not only salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but they were saying you also have to keep the Jewish law. And so Paul is dealing with that, and he speaks of those who preach a, a, a gospel different than he had delivered. And in Galatians 4, verse 11, notice what he says. He says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. I, I am concerned that you are going to be swept away with this false doctrine that is being taught. And so Paul, when he's writing this letter, he says, I, I'm worried about you. Go to Philippians chapter 2. The same is said in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 2, look with me in verse, let's, let's just read verse 14 down to verse 16. He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Because when we're murmuring and disputing, we got a bad spirit, right? Don't we, Dan? We've got a bad spirit when we're murmuring and complaining. And if, we've, if, we've, if we got to that point, then we've taken our eyes off the Lord. He says in verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. It's hard to be a light in the world if we're murmuring and disputing with everything. He says in verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul is concerned about their faith and their spiritual walk with the Lord. And I can testify personally that, that really a godly shepherd loses a lot of sleep at night concerned about members of his church. There are times where you wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is immediately on your mind and you're worried about them. Because you haven't seen them, you, you, or, or you do see some things, and you wonder where their faith is right now. And it concerns. And those that have been entrusted to your care, you, you worry about them. You're concerned about their walk with the Lord and concerned about their faith. So go back to 1 Thessalonians 3. So he's concerned. And he, as we mentioned earlier... The plan was decided to send Timothy back and to see how they were doing. Timothy was quickly establishing himself 
in Paul's missions team as a strong believer and an able minister. He'd gotten saved on Paul's first journey. Paul went back on this particular journey and and everybody was speaking highly of Timothy. And so he had Timothy join his team and they traveled together, went over into Europe and in, uh, in uh, Macedonia, when they went into Philippi in Acts chapter 16, he saw Paul and Silas imprisoned and beaten and all that God had done there. And then he goes to Thessalonia and they're run out of town. I mean, that is an education for a young preacher if there ever was one, right? And uh, now, now uh, Paul trusts him to send him back into Thessalonia. Maybe he's lesser known than everybody else. But he wants to send him back to see how everyone is doing. He's described, look in verse 2, look, how, look at the description that Paul gives to him. He says, and sent Timotheus our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. For whatever reason, he had to send with Timothy a recommendation. And it's a, uh, when, when I think about it, it was a worthy introduction that is only strengthened by the individual giving it. Because if Paul calls you my brother, that's, that's big words, right? Because if Paul accepts you, well then you, you must be doing something right for the Lord. And he's a minister of God, that which, which is typified as a servant. Uh, if you study the word minister there, it's the same word that we actually get our word deacon from. Um, and and he, he is a servant of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. So he was busy about ministering and serving. So it was a letter of recommendation written by Paul himself here in chapter 3 and such a letter considered weight and value and and uh, we're we're giving next in verse 2 uh, Timothy's responsibility and and this is important. He says He says, I'm sending him to you to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And the the, the Greek word for establish there is uh, sterizo, sterizo. And it means you stabilize something by providing a support or a a buttress so that it will not totter. uh, If it's standing by itself, wind blows, it may fall. It'll, it'll go back and forth. Um, Paul is saying, he says, I'm sending Timothy there to you to establish you. In other words, to, con- to uh, strengthen you so that you can stand because you have something to lean on. You have something there that is holding you. And so what Timothy's responsibility is there is extremely uh, vital to uh, the church's life. Witnessing someone coming to a saving faith in Christ is only a part of the Great Commission. Amen? I I want you to pray. I'm witnessing to several people right now who are not saved and need to come to Christ. And I want you to be praying about that. I'm not going to say their names, but I I want you to be praying that the light will come on and they'll get saved. Okay? But that's only part of it, Darren. There's a responsibility also to teach whatsoever we've been taught, right? What we have learned... We are to teach. And uh, we're to encourage and establish others in the faith. Later in this chapter, Paul mentions the Lord's role in establishing us. Uh, Look at the end of chapter 3 and verse 12. Okay, 
He says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So Paul is saying there that the Lord establishes your heart. Uh, go to uh, just one book to your right, 2 Thessalonians. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. And again, he's speaking of the Lord in verse 16. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts... And establish you in every good work, good word, and work. So both times, it's got a work to do in our heart, right? And it's not talking about uh, the physical heart that we have. But it's talking about the center of spiritual activity that's in our life. The heart is the center of emotions and feelings and mood and passion. And he says the Lord is able to comfort your heart. He's able to establish your heart. And he's able to establish you in every good word and work. And so God is able to do that. He establishes us, look in 2 Thessalonians 3, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. How does he establish us? He establishes us by rooting us in our faith as we learn of his faithfulness. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is what? Oh, come on, y'all not reading with me. The Lord is faithful, right? Paul, Paul talks about the struggles. He says we're dealing with unreasonable wicked men. Not everybody we deal with has faith. He says, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So the Lord's faithfulness, as we learn how faithful God is, it establishes our own faith. Uh, Darren used to always quote this to me, and that is this very well-known saying, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. Anybody Anybody can float a boat when the water is calm. But when it is, is nerve-wracking and scary and the waves get pretty big, it will challenge you. And such is life. Anybody can have a smile on their face, Aubrey, when everything is perfect. But there are days when everything's not perfect and the challenge is, can I still smile today? Right? Can I still have joy in my heart today? Everybody gets saved, they're, that's the happiest they've ever been in their life, if they got it. Happiest they've ever been. And then life sets in. And you're sitting there listening to the preaching. Can you, can you keep your same passion? Can you keep your same fire? Charles Spurgeon said in a sermon, I'm going to read it slow, he was preaching on 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 
He says, we cannot have this establishment until after we have suffered a while. We cannot be established except by suffering. It is of no use our hoping that we shall be well-rooted if no March winds have passed over us. The young oak cannot be expected to strike its roots so deep as the old one. Those old gnarlings on the roots and those strange twistings of the branches all tell of many storms that have swept over the aged tree. But they are also indicators of the depths into which the roots have dived. And they tell the woodman that he might as soon expect to rend up a mountain as to tear up that oak by the roots. We must suffer a while, then shall we be established. Because none of us will pray if everything in the life is wonderful. But the moment it all goes south, we're going to call unto the Lord, right? And we turn unto God. Suffering is a part of our growth. Barclay writes, Sterizo means to make as solid as granite. Suffering of body and sorrow of heart do one of two things to a man. They either make him collapse or they leave him with a solidity of character which he could never have gained anywhere else. If he meets them with continuing trust in Christ, he emerges like toughened steel that has been tempered in the fire. To marrying a good coach, a good coach pushes an athlete, doesn't he? He doesn't push you just to get on to you and discipline you. He pushes you and he makes life difficult because he knows in that way you'll improve. If everyone is always telling you how good you are, you get, you get, you get satisfied with that. And you think that you're better than everybody else. And the truth is, we're not, right? And so a good coach is always, it doesn't matter if you're the best player on the team. The better you are, Mark, the harder you push, right? The better they are, the harder you push them. Because they can get even better. And such is his life. There, there is smooth seas, anybody can do that. But it's in the challenges that we grow and our faith is strengthened. And our roots grow deeper. In order for us to stand in the midst of suffering and persecution and unreasonable and wicked men, we must become established, strengthened, and resolute in our faith. We must have the personal understanding that God is always faithful, and that support system will enable us to stand what may come our way. Turn to Luke chapter 22. So, so the, Lord, the Lord helps establish us. But he also gives the saints the responsibility to establish one another. Luke 22, look with me in verse 31. This is where Simon is, you know, Simon knows more than Jesus. You know, Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be delivered. And he says, no, you're not. And uh, he's arguing with Christ. He knows more than Jesus does. And, and Jesus tells him in Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon... Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. 
Why didn't Josh Anders, why didn't Jesus just keep him out of it? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to keep you from it. He says, I'm praying for you that your faith don't fail. Right? Why? Why is that? Because he's a good coach. Because he knows you're going to learn something from this and you're going to be better for it. And you're going to be able to minister to others in a better way. I've got a message I preached here before on a Wednesday night, I think, removing the lumps and uh, on Luke 22. And the Lord allowed Peter to suffer in order that he would be more qualified to establish the brethren. Um, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, later, when Peter gets his right, life right with the Lord, Peter fall, uh, falls. He denies Christ. And uh, he goes through the bitterness of that. And uh, he comes through it. And he's stronger, and we know what happens throughout uh, Acts chapter 2. And, and then he's writing the epistle of 1 Peter. And uh, get to verse Peter chapter 5, and we read how his understanding of suffering enabled him to minister effectively. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then he warns in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, Establish, there's that word, strengthen and settle you. To whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the afflictions, the sufferings, they're a part of it. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. Paul understood the responsibility to establish the brethren. And he, he took it personally. Romans chapter 1 verse number 11. He says, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. There it is again. That it is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So Paul saw it as his responsibility to help other believers be more established, be established in their faith. Now, now go back to our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And there Timothy is sent to Thessalonica to establish and comfort concerning the faith. And so uh, in verses 3 and 4, uh, because of their afflictions, Paul wanted to know their faith in verse 5. And he, he wondered would the tempter have led the church to lay down arms and, and quit. And we read in Acts 17 that Paul ministered in Athens while Timothy ministered in Thessalonica... In, uh, in chapter 18, Paul leaves for Corinth and begins a ministry there with Aquila and Priscilla. And in, in, eight, in chapter 18, verse 5, Acts 18, verse 5, he's joined by Timothy and Silas. And Timothy had a wonderful report to deliver, and that is what Paul writes of beginning in verse 6. First Thessalonians 3, verse 6, read with me. He says, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. 
Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. I, we, we know this saying, Sherry, right? I went to be a blessing, and I'm the one who left blessed. Right? I was visiting with uh, Barbara Allred yesterday, trying to be an encouragement. I left there shouting. I mean, she was just testifying of the goodness of God and what God's done, and man, it stirred my heart. I just left there excited. I went to be a blessing, I left blessed. Paul sent Timothy to a comfort and establish. And he says, but when we heard of your faith, we were comforted in our afflictions. Because when you're doing well, it encourages me, right? It, it comforts me. And, and, and so he goes on. Look what he says in verse 8. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. We can keep going forward if you keep standing fast in the Lord. For what things can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Go, go to look at chapter 1. I, I, I had you read verse 6 earlier that they received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Even though they suffered in the early days of their church, they became a model church to all believers. Chapter 1, let's, let's read verse 7 on down to the end of the chapter. He, he says, you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul was concerned about them, sends Timothy back to check on them, and when he finds out how they're doing, he says, I, I don't need to say anything to you. Your faith, you're not even social media, and your faith is reaching everywhere. He says in verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The, he says, Everywhere I go, they speak of your faith. We are hearing your faith being spread abroad to other parts of the country. How encouraging it must have been for Timothy to deliver this testimony back to Paul. Now, go back to chapter 3, and we'll conclude here. Paul, Paul concludes this chapter just like he concluded chapter 2. And uh, that is with reminding the church that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, amen? Jesus is going to return, all right? Uh, it may be morning, it may be noon, all I know is Jesus is coming soon, okay? He is, he is going to come, and that is what Paul is reminding them of. Uh, he'll eventually get to it in chapter 4 in, in more detail. But at the end of chapter 2, he says, Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? And so he is speaking of the Lord's return because it is vital that we're prepared in the way that we minister in this life that we live. Uh, I have always said, um, I, am, I am looking for Jesus to return, but I hope he has to grab me by the shirt collar and yank me out of here because I'm busy doing what he called me to do. Right? I'm not being lazy. He's got to yank me out of here. Look, look, look at this. With this knowledge, 
hearing how the church is doing, Paul labors in the way that he prays for the church and his desire to continue to see them grow. And this is where I want to encourage us in particular tonight as we get to prayer time. He says in verse 10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. I imagine, Alex, I, we're in 1 Thessalonians 3, guys, okay? I imagine Paul had a lot of people to pray for, don't you? I imagine he had a pretty extensive prayer list. And every time he's writing a letter, he says, I've been praying for all of you. And he writes this letter, Doc, and he says, Night and day, I pray exceedingly for you. Right? Because he's concerned about your spiritual walk. And he's asking you to pray for him. Because he wants to be able to speak the word with all boldness. In the midst of all the afflictions that he's dealing with. So he's asking you to pray for him. So there is this responsibility that I have to pray for our church. And you have to pray for your pastor and to pray for one another. There's this responsibility. And it's a laborious task. It's more than just saying, hey, I'm praying for you, and you pray for about 30 seconds and move on. It's something that you're aware of. It's burdening. It's, it's a burden to you. And so he's laboring in this. He says, I want to see your face. And, and, and he's, he goes on, he says, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Well, he talks about how powerful their faith is, but all of us, all of us can still grow in our faith. Stephen, you still got some growing to do. All of us have got some growing to do. And he says, I want to see you because I, there's still some more that I want to teach you. There's still some more I want to pour into you because I want to see you strengthen even more. Because the storms are coming. They're going to come. And I want to see you stand. So he, he says, I want to perfect that which is lacking your faith. Verse 11, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. In other words, if God's will... Uh, be done, then Lord willing, we're going to see one another. In the meantime, what can a model church learn? Okay? He says, I want to see you that I can teach you something. That I can perfect that which is lacking your faith. But he, he admonishes them with this in verse 12 and 13 and we're done. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. So, so all of us, and this is, the this is the truth, all of us can grow in our love toward others. Amen? And it's, it's important that the church loves each other. But a really impactful spiritual church loves people outside of the church. Okay? And so he mentions there that you, uh, that you increase, you grow in this area. And you abound in your love toward each other, toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, verse 13, he closes it up and there's that word again. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. I just don't think we want to stand before the Lord and we failed to reach somebody for Jesus Christ because we didn't like them. That's how he closes it up. All right? 
Who is, who is he writing to, Sarah? He's writing to people who are being persecuted because they believe in Jesus Christ. They're not bad citizens. They're not, they, it's not that they don't pay their taxes. It's not that they're bad employees. They just simply trust Jesus Christ. And they're suffering for it. And Paul is encouraging them. You should still love those people. You really want to, you want to, you want to grow, increase, and abound in your love. Yeah, toward the brethren, but toward all men. Increase and grow in that area. So let us pray tonight. As we pray, let us be earnest and fervent as Paul prayed. For God's people to be established and comforted in the faith. That goes along with my uh, recent uh, prayer list for the church. That we're, that we're growing in the faith. For God's people to be established and comforted in the faith. And that he would use each of us to strengthen one another. Paul uses in this chapter to establish one another. And that is discipleship at its finest. It's mentoring, it's encouraging, it's teaching, it's ministering, it's praying for, it's helping, it's, it's, it's loving. All of those things that we're comforting and strengthening one another. And then that we would all increase and abound in love toward every man. Let's pray towards that end tonight. All right. Our Father, I pray that you bless our time together. Bless our fellowship and bless your word as it's been delivered tonight. Help us as believers to never quit. Lord, the storms are coming, but you are the captain of our ship. And I pray, Father, that we lift the sails by faith as we allow you to stir us, uh, steer us through the storms that we're navigating through. And I pray that we trust you along this journey. And God, that you would cause us to establish deep roots and that we lean more upon you and your faithfulness and our faith and our trust in you. And that as a result, Lord, that we can face the afflictions and we're stronger for it and we're able to minister better because of it. Bless us, I pray tonight, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's take some time to pray, about 8.15.